Welcome back to What Have You, Becca. We welcome ourselves back to What <laughs> Have You. We'd like to rejoice that we made it back. We for accidentally missed a week. And I think by that you mean it's not just a week of the podcast. <sighs> we missed a week of life. Yeah, I don't know what we did. I don't think we noticed we missed it. Like, I think we blew right past our deadline. I feel like we've really not performed well the last little bit because. But forgive and forget. Are we like. Every other week at this point, we've got to buckle up. We, we'll, we'll focus. We'll get better. But last week, Rachel had a book deadline, so she kept calling me mm. with frustrated, I had a, I had a frustrated remarks about I, Sartre. I renamed, <laughs> I renamed my book The Garbage Donut at the last minute. No, I'm jo- I didn't really. It's a joke. It's actually the problem with Sartre. I'll tell you what peeves the heck Everyone, out of me. do you want to know the problem with Sartre? Let me tell you. No, it, it was actually Aside that. Aside from everything, yeah, that's but the it, problem? Yeah, but it's actually, this is not all in my book. I was trying to just make a point about the bad, the contribution that Sartre made mm-hmm. to the, specifically the idea of the self. And and I was trying to give the, like, yeah, he was a messed up dude. No, like, and then you have to keep saying, but then like, I keep, no, no, really. I'm like, no, 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 listen to me. It was hideous. <laughs> but then, but then I'm like, I'm not trying to cause a bunch of rubbernecking delays in the book. That's not what we're talking about. No. But I do feel the need to make this point. Boy, okay. we are jumping into the deep end with this podcast. But I'll tell you. <laughs> Existentialism, his, anyone? His lifelong partner-ish, partner one whatever. One of the, one of the. Yeah, but the one that he, like, committed to, Simone de Beauvoir, which I think, major French feminist author of The Second Sex. They were very influential in the feminist movement. That was, like, mm-hmm. a big deal. And uh, they were partners for life but like intellectual but not, yeah, not exclusively no they like made the deal to just tell each other everything about the rest of their sex lives and they weren't married no they were not married but they did call each other like he would call her my little wife uh-huh. but they weren't married and he specifically thought it wasn't like maybe we should also have other relationships he believed it would be a quote a good idea uh-huh. for them to pursue other sexual relationships what could go wrong nothing Nothing. One thing we've seen from but this is the thing, human history is right. that doesn't cause trouble. No. And this is the thing that you have to think about. That they were really influential. And they were... She was considered beautiful at the time. He was not considered beautiful. <laughs> he was distinctly not attractive. And Camus... Camus was, was like the movie star absurdist guy. He was like attractive. But and he came in and out of some of their foursome times and oh vacations. My gosh. But anyways, he but Sartre not cute, not at all cute. Wasn't he and five foot flat? He was five foot flat and wall-eyed and dirty. <laughs> so his his fingers were always like nicotine stained, and apparently his whole neck was covered in blackhead zits. Oh, like of all the additional pieces of news about him, <laughs> and he one time had such a bad trip on masculine so mo- a lot of people did uppers at that time yeah where the standard dose was like half of a tablet he would munch up four. Oh, so he was like whizzed up all the time might have writing to do fl- with yeah his skin he problem. had some trouble he had some trouble but the the thing that i wanted to say that had nothing to do with my book so i no, didn't you were about say to it. say the hilarious episode that followed his uppers oh he tripped out on mescaline once and then believed for years that he was being followed by crabs not <laughs> even when he knew it was like a hallucination he saw them for years he like he was like getting and one time ran away from but, them in the streets of Paris. <laughs> but okay, Sartre was but not is, but Sartre and we Simone, to say that there weren't crabs pursuing him. The crabs of hell. Might even have, they might have been after him. So the the thing with Simone and Sartre is that they were they were this couple. Like if you think about that that um era, you know, kind of 
pre-World War II no, era. they were the Brangelina. They, but, oh, major. Because they they were both high-performing intellectuals. They yeah. were considered the most intelligent people of the time. Yeah. She was like the... like Cutting uh, edge. They were crazy. Yeah, they were really good. And then they were living this life in the Paris cafes. They were oh, always... Yeah. You know, that was what they were doing. Was, the one that we romanticize and have everyone drinking absinthe. Right. And yet they were covered in zits and, and thought yet, they, they And were yet this was the life they had. <laughs> yeah. And she, but she was this like, rev- it is so sad because I read a bunch of their letters that really had nothing to do with my book. It just was trying to ask her, like, it was funny. Their letters are appalling. Like, you really feel yeah. like you need to get off the bad bus when you're <laughs> like... <laughs> You're like, this is such a bad trip through your life. But the thing that's amazing is that, like, these are the authors of the worldview that is glamorized in every Disney movie. Oh, yeah. No, totally. And and things that we've all believed. These are the authors. It's but the origin Simone, story is this, Sartre. Yes. And, and Simone was uh, really intelligent when she wrote The Second Sex. It was super scandalous because, of course, she overshares to the moon and back. <laughs> In that, in that book about her life and her sexual life. But it became, it was like revolutionary and all this. But yeah. people thought she was beautiful and free and intelligent and like mm-hmm. countercultural and amazing. And like, but when you, but when you read her letters, you were like, you are joking me yeah. that this is the life of this unburdened free woman. And at one point... I just said, this is a terrible, you need a dry erase board to keep up with these people and their devious deeds. But there was a woman, they, the two of them were always taking on these young, younger women and they kept them kind of as, I mean, kind of as mistresses. I mean, they paid their, they paid their rent. Sartre and Simone never lived together, but they like paid the rent of all these other people and their tuition and their painting lessons and start wrote plays for them to start to star in us oh, so sick it's out. all the way but this woman comes along all the way gross that apparently was really beautiful named olga she was like an immigrant girl who was drifting around needily so of course they prey upon <laughs> and her and she gets raked in by that duo so that's who <laughs> caught her poor olga so simone starts sleeping with olga and then Sartre really, really wanted to. But Olga would never give in to Sartre. Ugh. So she never fell for him. But then, after two years of him trying to seduce Olga, who, they're, who they are supporting, her little sister Wanda came to town. And Sartre switches his intentions to Wanda, who he also pursues for two years, and then finally gets Wanda. So now we have... Sart and Wanda and Olga and Simone, but Olga starts sleeping with a guy named Bost, who was also part of their crew. But then Simone starts sleeping with Bost, and they're not telling Olga. So it's like the secret relationship there. But then Bost feels bad and wants to not sleep with Simone and just stay with Olga. So now we have Simone, the pinnacle of feminist freedom. Yeah. Power. Power. And she is blindingly jealous of two women, Wanda and Olga. Well, because of the two men that she wants for, she wants mm-hmm. bossed because he was actually a nice person. So let's just pause a second and say, basically we're living the life of sewer rats. Essentially. And, but bossed she wanted because he was like a kind person. Sart was the like, I think kind of the real... He was an ugly bugly, I think. But I think she, he was the real love of her life. Like, he was the person she wanted to want her. But he just... It was like he just kept wanting other women. So mm-hmm. she... But meanwhile... So we have Simone, the ultimate feminist power woman. Yeah. Is financially supporting two women who are sleeping with the men she wishes she was with. Oh, my word. And it was this long... This period of loneliness for Simone... While she's in this position. And it just, it just, it was like, that is like a perfect explanation of basically how her whole life was. Like, her whole life. Like, luckily, they could give us existentialism and, and. Would you just make a mark on society forever and, but, and help then, us and all to know how to be? We feed that line 
to all of our preschoolers. Uh-huh. I'm like, just follow your heart. Pursue your you dreams. You can be whatever you want to be. be. You, yeah, be it you all. You too could be a lonely old lady paying for the mistresses of others. <laughs> <laughs> you do you. Mm. You and know, then at the end of their life, they kind of did that. They were just in this really weird scene. Anyways, it was a very tragic, tragic, devastating, awful, and ugly sorted. story. Yeah. Oh, so bad. Sorted in all the ways. So bad. That's not in my book. That's something that's that... That's a behind-the-scenes look. That's a behind-the-scenes of the things I spared you from there, but not here. <laughs> the making of. The making of the book where I had to read about those people, <laughs> and I just couldn't even take it anymore. But the thing is, it actually, I think it's really worth a look at those things because... Oh, because it's... Because the message has been glamorized oh. like crazy. Yeah, but it... And you... Which is like you invent yourself. All you have to do is take a quick glance through any, like diet plan materials there were women gives you existentialism but packaged into a diet there were a few women like they were all like their big thing was we're going to be totally transparent but through her whole life simone swore up down and sideways she was not a lesbian like she did not sleep with other women but when after she died and her letters were released it was like a long trail of lesbian well they were all doing this it was no, I know, but I'm saying this was in Chanel. her life. In her life, they made a big deal about being totally transparent. Oh, sure. But and she wrote this incredibly vulgar and sexually explicit thing. But even in that, they didn't. They right. didn't really tell you that they were actually a whole bunch of jealous idiots <laughs> having a horrible time. Like that <laughs> yeah. was their life. It was terrible. You just can't even with those people. Yeah. You're like, how is this even And it's happening? like, luckily you're liberated so you can live the dream. Well, that's the thing. It's like, we wouldn't want any, you know, provincial things like marriage to tie us down when we <laughs> could live this, this free life of debauch that leaves absolutely no one happy. No. Like, none of us are having fun. No, and we've got crabs after us. Wow, I thought that Running you were saying something else. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. But they probably had that problem as well. And it just mean it's it's a strangely I find that it's an extremely poetic. Poetically unglamorous to have the phantom crabs running around no, after there are you. So much uh and this thing of when Lewis says that some things are so wicked they're just childish. That yes. it kept being it's so profound. It kept being like that because when yeah. Olga and Olga and they called all these people their little family, like their mm-hmm. children and their mm-hmm. little family. It was a very incestuous kind of a grody pants uh, <laughs> joke that they had going on. Oh, my word. And, but Olga and Bost, both people that Simone had slept with, were were sheltered by them and would insist on her coming down to tuck them into bed. And I can think of few things as evil as that, but it's also just so dang... Dumb. Stupid. Yeah, like you're just Stupid. like that's like the dumbest. Well, I get this feeling most with the, disgusting the situation. whole like transgender movement. I think of I think of Lewis's comment often. Yeah, which is in I think in Paralandra where he says that there's some evil that basically is so evil it yeah. becomes childish. And well, I think it's when it's he, that. I it's thought like, that it was the part where the unman is, is saying, saying ransom, ransom, ransom. Yeah, like yeah, over and over. over. And over. Yeah. yeah. I we really were in sync there. I was but anyway that as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was think we were following a teleprompter. Oh, but, but I no. just mean like oftentimes you're like there's a level of wickedness happening here in the transgender movement and the other part of it is like take the lipstick off. Like <laughs> this is really stupid. Like it's not working. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like it's like a second grader who who's really trying hard to be naughty. Oh, I know. Like, haha. No. I'm gonna put on lipstick. Take that exactly. world. You know, it's just kind of like, gosh, no. guys. It was really dumb. But anyway. We had a question this week. I would say we just went down a very weird I side told shoot. you, shaboom, into the deep end this uh, week. Anyway, that's why we're a week late. That's well, that's not why. We had, I had tangent. a book deadline. Then we had Sabbath at our house. Then we had Moses' birthday the next day. Then Lena's birthday the next day. Yeah. And then, Meanwhile, when we woke was, up after that... I was, I was just ignoring my life because I have the Reformation banquet coming. And I've mm. been for NSA. And it's in the same place as last year with still no kitchen. And it's still 250 people. And so, 
I I've been so doing as you can an imagine it, it's, move. it's still a piece of cake. I'm putting my head in the sand mm. and I'm saying la 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 la. That's not happening. Let's not notice that yeah. that's coming. I still upon us. I still am reckoning with the menu right now, and this is next week. Ah, anyway, sounds easy. It'll be no biggie. So essy. <laughs> so. So the uh, <laughs> we've been loving our house is being uh, framed. That's the other thing you've been doing is building a house. Yeah, and it's like super exciting, and we have a great builder who doesn't mind free ranging a little bit, but it has caused us our our ways in which we're like, oh, we'll just do this. I've been having a week of on again, off again with the kitchen pantry. I've been having a week off again, on again with your kitchen. I know pantry. because I keep calling Becca to be like, Becca. Guess what we did? Guess what yeah. happened? We have, There's been and a it's lot all of... because of a casual comment that we made when in the basement, which is totally kills me that we yeah. moved we moved the stairs a foot over to what seemed like a really natural place. Like it it yeah, didn't it's be no biggie. Well, it is a natural place to have them. It fits and it was one foot over, but as it happened, the cascading effects were intense. There's always dominoes. But it it is in the end. I think we're landing it with a much better, a much great. I think it'll be great. I had that conversation with the Lord. I was like, <laughs> Lord, I think you really want a pantry in this house, <laughs> don't you, Lord? I think you do. I just think it would be the wise choice, Lord. Help us figure out where to put the dang pantry, because <laughs> I'm confident you want one. Anyways, it, I'm actually super happy with how it's all worked That's out beautiful. but but it has been a very funny in and out yeah. sweating sweating yeah. the little details i've been painting swatches of paint on my living room wall to wonder to myself if i wanted that color it would be a wild change but now i have little patches on my wall yeah that's nice that's so, good little little blips of promise uh-huh. mm-hmm. blips of well now i have to paint the living room no matter yeah, what exactly so. That's perfect. Is that my, my phone? No, or is that your... mine. Rachel's phone uh, is right sorry. next to mine. Anyway. But we did have a question from someone. Rach, summarize. Oh, yeah. Well, I was thinking many moons ago, we did a full throttle episode, sort of on this subject, which we felt the Holy Spirit edited because it disappeared into the void. And so we thought, maybe not. But maybe... That was a different subject. It was. It was a different subject. But it was related. So it was, related. It was subject. tangential. It was tangential. Yeah, that's true. So I guess this question was about why do women desire romance so much? And slash, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Slash, should your husband be trying to woo you all the time? This is why I actually thought it was related to the... Uh, well, I just... Should your husband be trying to... Like, win you all the time, emotionally and romantically, kind of. Now, let's just... Can we just throw a pause here and say, this is one... Stop the presses on the episode. Stop the presses. Yeah. I'm going to say one big qualifier right now, which is that I suspect we may get into an endless whirling dervish of qualifiers in a minute, where... You we try to not do that. me, and then I'll qualify you, and then in the end, we haven't really said anything. But I do think... I do think that if we were men speaking to men, we would be saying something very different than what we're about to say. Like, I think if it was men speaking to men. You know, I, I actually, I really hope so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, thing, the thing that's easy to do is uh, yeah, for yeah. the women to all get together and have a nice cozy snort about how the men could be doing it better. Well, and to sketch a picture of the yeah. ideal man, which none of us are married to, because no, how no. could we be? And and I do think, so this question was actually a really good question, because it was like, what about when you like immerse yourself in romantic movies or TV shows or books, even if they're completely clean, as far as like... They're not sexually problematic. They're not, um, it's not like adultery or anything. They're just romantic and you just throw yourself into those. Right. Um, is that a problem, especially if you're not getting it from your husband or if you wish you were getting more of it from your husband? If it's like a vitamin deficiency problem that you're having. Like, are you turning there to fill up your tank that your husband should be filling up? And see, the thing is, is that I do think if we were men and we were talking to husbands, 
there would be a lot of probably talk of like, look, here's how you could, you know, do better for your wife. Here's what your wife wants or needs and everything. But basically a bunch of women sitting around thinking about what we need and what the husbands ought to do for us. It doesn't like the only thing it does is feed discontent. And And actually I would say it's also something that women are naturally very capable. Mm -hmm. We don't need Mm -hmm. help there. We don't need help. But thinking of more ways people could be kind to us. Nobody needs a podcast saying, here's what your husband could do better for you. Just trust that. We do believe that things could be said to your husband, yeah. probably. And but someone it's not should us, say them. It's, but it's not us who got called to say that. No, but I think that the whole thing of, like, vicarious feeding on romance elsewhere... I don't my, I don't think there's anything wrong with a romantic story or a romantic movie. But I think there's something very wrong with the way some women approach that approach it. And well, I, like, the class of grocery store bodice busters sure. is a... But, class but, that is running on something that's wrong. But but right? the question did say not not, bad. not sexual. No, but, but I'm saying but what but that genre is yeah is feeding it something is bad. running on something that it is there because some things are not now, right. I just have a question. I I feel like this is important. All right. Okay. It's obviously true that women desire emotional closeness and romantic closeness and things. Like it's it's true. But are men wired in such a way so as to desire physical beauty? Yes. Does that mean that they don't need romantic closeness? No, of course not. But but what is a way that a husband could basically guarantee that he will be unsatisfied with his wife Mm -hmm. is going to be to throw himself into vicarious feeding of that desire elsewhere. Right. And I don't think it makes it any better just because it's not sexual when women do the same thing they Mm -hmm. turn away from the man that God has given them and they turn and try to feed it elsewhere Mm -hmm. you're basically you I can see why some women would think that this will just bring a spark back to my how I will feel about my husband but but it won't it's just going to make you unable to receive it from your husband because you have Mr. Darcy in mind or something but I also think um, we would be insulted if our husband oh, was turning elsewhere. And and the other thing is, like, think how you're like, but think how he could be meeting my needs. He, think how he could be um, sacrificing more of his time and money and effort and thought into how he could meet my needs. And then the question is, well, how are you doing flip that? it around. Yeah. How much time, effort are you putting into meeting his needs that way? Now, they're not the same ones because you're thinking, well, I would, no, I like would do you anything say, for you more say romance. What, what I would like is more romance. And then you say, okay, what would your husband say was the thing that he would love in his right. marriage? And, and then if you said, what are the things that would really bless you if I was doing more of this? Or what are the yeah. things that would encourage you? Or how can I be, and I think there's the one way where you can have the talk that is talking about your marriage. Like that like those questions I just said but what I would think would be a smarter way to go about it instead of saying we're having the big how are we discussion just ask him about his work ask him about what's on his mind like be supportive like actually go on a fact-finding mission yourself about what is on his mind what are the burdens he's carrying how can I be praying for him like be an active conversation partner but also, I do think we've probably said this before a billion times, but it's in the same way that women need love, men need respect. And so every time you're feeling like a bit needy emotionally, think, okay, well, instead of sitting here wondering how he could fill up my tank, what if I was to think about filling up his? Right. And what does he need from me? But this is, this is what's magical. Is that when we obey God, it gets so much easier. And when we are disobeying, it gets worse and worse. And the thing that is really interesting about this, we're not saying that women don't like scripture. There is no discussion of do women not need respect? Of course they need respect. Like do men not need love? No, of course they need love. But the areas that wives are commanded to focus is respect because it is an area where wives are naturally weak. Like we're good at love and we're not good at respect. And men are good at respecting their wife and bad at loving. 
But when you have that, you have people living by their own natural impulses, then what you end up with is a wife feeling like her husband's not loving her enough, which makes her overtly disrespect him by saying, why aren't you thoughtful? Why don't you do anything kind for me? Why do you only think of yourself? Which is all disrespect. And then the husband turns to his wife and does not feel full of love and goodwill. Does he? He feels instead kind of like, you're the worst. I don't want to be with you. Right. Right? And then what you have is two people living by their own weaknesses and enhancing each other's. Like, ever being mutually less secure in the relationship. Like, it gets worse and worse. Whereas if a wife focuses on respect, the natural result of you focusing on respect is a more natural love from your husband towards you. Like, yeah. that is... That is they play each it's, other up like, and the, in both <clears throat> negative and positive. <clears throat> it's like the verse about give and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken over. Shaken, shaken together, together and, and running, running over, over will be yeah. put into your bosom. For the same me- measure, measure with, with which you use, it will with, be measured, it back, will be to measured back to you. Yeah. And so, like, give and it will Just be given give, back to like, you. And give abundantly, and it will be given right. back to you abundantly. But and I also feel like you can't miss, also you can't miss a chance though here to quote Lewis again because I you know honestly you could read that hideous strength over and over for different things each time but the just the insight into relationships and marriage so and good. men and women it's so profound but he has such a great line where he says um you do not fail in obedience through lack of love but you failed in love because you never attempted obedience yeah and and the thing is is like he's talking to Jane at that moment um Ransom is talking to Jane about an unhappy marriage. And he says, you didn't fail in, mm-hmm. um, you didn't fail in obedience because you didn't have the love. You don't have the love because you never attempted obedience. You didn't try to and, obey. And so I think that that's the key is like obey first and then see what happens. Just watch what the natural but fruit of you obeying so, God is. But it's so much easier to think, but if my husband were to start obeying God, then I would have a much easier then time. I would respect him if he yeah. was. Being and it's kind more, of like, well, yeah. that may be true, but but it doesn't matter because yeah. the only the only thing that you can change is your own behavior. You can't go tell your husband he needs to be better at something and expect that to necessarily yield a fruit right away. Like no. I'm not saying you can't ever clearly say anything to your husband. I'm just saying that at a time if things are feeling a little tenuous in some way in your life it is not the time to go on an accusation station of how <laughs> everyone is not taking care of you. You know, like, no. it is time no. to not do that. And of it's course time, there... It's kind of like it's time to look to your duties. And there are, like, of what course, are my duties? times when you've got to go call the pastor. You know, like, if you're in a dark place. There's the, call the get back the into pastor. the qualifications. Yeah. I am. Like we're not we actually talking out there. We're not talking about the extreme cases because no, there we're talking are about those. the normal we're talking regular about, people kind of bored and sick of life right now. Basically like you and your husband get along but you're just a feeling whole lot a of, bit. It's probably a whole lot of normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of normal life. I, and this is something that I have to say because this is what reminded me of the one that got the Holy Spirit edited. So the reason I just I just feel we the did need, we did get a bit above ourselves that I day. think we might have but the thing the thing that needs to be said here is that that concept that your husband should continue to win you is like you know that whole that whole proverbs about he who's found a good wife has has found, found a, a good, good thing. thing and it was like. He's not still supposed to be trying to catch you. Like, yeah. how could it be a good thing if you're not steadfast? And if you're not Basically, there like, all the, the time. of the husband safely trusts Yeah, him. like, he shouldn't come home to be like, is she on my team today or is she not? The like, heart of the husband wonders from moment to moment whether yeah, he has this the elusive the husband, creature. The heart of the husband <laughs> wonders what else he could do that would make her like him. You know, like, does he need to stop at the stop and get flowers because she won't be kind if he doesn't come home with flowers on this day? You know, and you think that's not who you should want to be. And so I think about that. Whatever it is out there where people say to, like, keep the romance in your marriage alive by, like, dating each other and being amazing... Yeah. And and the thing that I just think about that is that that's trying to maintain 
a very different kind of romance than the romance that that is written into the way the world works. Like you have the kind of romance when you fall in love that is a very intense I mean like there's just no way that 15 years into marriage you and your husband are going to get really butterflies if your elbows touch. Right. <laughs> like it's just not happening. Like that that yeah. is a time in life when your senses are heightened. <laughs> but there's also... something happening there. But it, later on the romance is not less there. It's different. It's maturing. Yeah. It's like it's not um absent because it doesn't shock you to hear the his thing voice. Is, I think we have this weird um desire to freeze frame particular moments rather than um, being grateful for the one that is being handed to us right now. Because when you were in that early moment, it was all about longing for something else. Yeah. And now that you have the something else, you're You're longing "Ah, for the original thing. Wasn't it amazing when we were so excited to see each other? So so it's kind of like if you picture like, I don't know, the process of a, a bloom on a tree moving from a bloom to a fruit it's like it's changing from one kind of glory into another kind of glory totally and you can't appreciate the one you have if you're constantly trying to recapture the one that the petals are not there now you're missing what you're doing is living in a state of discontent because because the reality is your day like today this is the thing that i i think the older i get the more i feel this way the pictures of my kids, you know, you see a picture of your kids when they were littler and you're like, oh my word, like, I, mm-hmm. I just like, that was so fleeting. That went yeah. so fast. Except for that, a picture from today, I will feel like yeah. that in two years. I will be like, oh my goodness. Where did it go? Like, where did it go? What happened? And it's like that inability to grasp how precious this moment is, yeah. is where we fall into discontent a lot. But like, I do we're think... like, oh, I, I wish that we were in this other phase or that other To go other back phase. to the question though, so like, is there anything wrong with the, you know, like, this like there's a certain level of vicarious like let's say you're watching your niece go through the same thing and there's that sort of like yeah like a little flicker of like remembering what that was like or something yeah so there's a way of like if you think of like trees in different phases of course you can look at a tree that's in bloom and notice how beautiful it and is. And see the beauty of what God's doing And, and just be like, oh, well, isn't that wonderful? And scripture saying that the thing, you know, the way of a man with a maid, like a yeah. thing that really is a marvel. Yeah, and you can see it and you can just be like, it's lovely, it's beautiful. And you can remember how it was like for you. But that doesn't mean that, like, now you don't have it. You right. have You have something different and you're, you know, further along. But it's not... Um, if if you are like hating all the fruit on your tree because you wanted it to all be in blossom, and you had to stay in the blossom means then that you basically never understood what it was about. You in the never first understood place. what it was about and what it was for, even though at the time <laughs> it was all about longing. It was all about mm-hmm. longing for something in the future, and so I think that it's it's all about like gratitude honestly like it's about gratitude for this and i would say because i think that i can't we can't have this conversation without saying this which is that somewhere in there and i don't even know where but i'm sure we could pinpoint it to somewhere strange like like uh like we started out strong with start there's probably similar strange influences in the world somewhere that started equating like that the sexual relationship is entirely one of of passion and enthu- like um like emotional like you're driven to it only through emotional whatever instead of ever there being a sense of duty whereas yeah. Paul oh, talks very clearly about duty in that mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. not to say that the presence of duty removes pleasure and joy because no. it because it doesn't because it actually enables that it, cre- it, creates, it creates an environment in creates, which it can live exactly but the but you cannot have a healthy sexual relationship with no sense of duty from either of good you. heavens because the only thing that's going to happen is that everyone's gonna be like if you're constantly trying to take the you know like get the weather vane out to see if you feel like being a good wife right now or oh not word, it's like yeah. no like you made vows like you committed to some things but also i think that everyone 
is quick to spot the duty that the other one has. Like, even if it's, he has a duty to still feel infatuated about me. He still has has a duty duty to think think I'm I'm beautiful. He has a duty But what's my duty? Yeah. My duty is to be a present wife. Like, (laughs) and my duty is, and this is a thing that. But let's say a present wife. A warm and affectionate wife, not a cold, frigid, a, a aloof, willing wife, a wife who is friendly not, and fun, not an expensive vending machine of a no, wife. Oh my <laughs> heavenly day! And that's not the heart of a husband safely trusting it. No, you. like, like that's a thing. Like that's a problem. And I think that, and I think that this is like, I'm not even sure where that influence came from, but it's part of our whole confusion in life now. For no, but sure. we do think that spontaneous emotion. Is the only genuine emotion. No, and the, instead of instead of being a instead faithful of disciplined emotion. And, yeah, instead of being a faithful, steady and true wife, you just you're like, why doesn't everyone keep me in the mood to do my duties? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is it really well, everyone else's no, job? It's everyone else's duty to keep to make me sure in the mood that, to that, do my duty. To make sure that I don't have to struggle. Work. With myself. To do my duty. At any yeah. time. I would like to. It's kind of part of that thing that says that you shouldn't be doing a job unless it's so fun for you. It doesn't feel like work. <laughs> like, when did that become a thing? Because I'm pretty sure people have to work. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a godly husband is the kind of husband. And people actually do say this often. And there's a partial truth in here, which is why it is. I think why yeah. it gets some momentum is that the idea is to marry someone who you can't help but respect so much that of course you would want to submit to them. Well, that's like, good advice. It's good. It's a good idea to marry someone that you respect enough that you're willing to submit to them all the time. Yeah. But the idea that if a husband is doing his job right, you'll never actually have to submit is wrong. Yep. Right? Like it's just wrong. You're you're probably going to have to submit sometime because he's doing his job right. Well, the other thing is like it's your husband's job to love you all the time as Christ loved the church, etc. Are you always incredibly lovely? Like, is it always oh, going to be, especially after the, one of those good snot cries, <laughs> is it always going to be just effortless for him? Oh, like yeah. so easy. just like, there's nothing hard about this at all. Now we want him to love us through thick and thin when we're attractive mm-hmm. or not attract when mm-hmm. we are thick or we are thin, we want him to love us. So the truth is, are you going to honor and respect him in the same way? What about that you want what him about to love when you? he's a little postpartum budgie? <laughs> <laughs> are you going to respect what him about then? When it's been a bad day and you haven't had time to shower yet and uh, all of that. Right, how do you want him to treat How do you, you want him to feel about you at such times? And do you want him to say, well, I just wasn't in the mood to love her this afternoon because look at her. Have you seen? <laughs> have you seen what she looks like and so today? Then, and then you think about when we want our respect or our honor to also be contingent. It's right. Like, well, I didn't feel like respecting so, him because look at him. I brought up the whole <laughs> the whole do your duty aspect of this from the perspective of is your husband obligated to try to win you all the time? And the answer is no because he did he that. Did once. that. He did that. And you said, and okay. you made a vow before God and, and a bunch of witnesses, witnesses that you were going to stick with him until death. <laughs> and so let's just take a hot minute and acknowledge those vows and acknowledge that you've been one. And then think about, and this is another thing that comes up in that hideous strength, but that there is a, a like an erotic necessity to that understanding of duty. Like, like, like there is a, it's the same conversation I was just referencing. Yes. He says, it, he says obedience, submission, and authority and obedience are an erotic necessity. Yes. And, and that, that's when and he that, says you... And that it's not the fact that you are there. Like, you may have never explored this possibility that you just being obedient is a great thing. And I mean by obedient, obedient to God, obedient to your vows. I'm not talking about yeah. being subservient in no, a no, weird no. way. Obeying talking... God and doing what you said you would do. Right. And so this ties in with something that a long time ago, I heard this advice at a bridal shower where everyone who's giving advice to a new bride is like, don't. Older women. Older Christian women. women. Bunch of ding-dongs, apparently. Christian older women teaching the younger women to be bad. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Saying, do not feel pressured to have sex on your wedding night. 
Like, don't, like, you can. What? But that was the council was saying. What? Because, like, this is all about you. And it was kind of like, wait until you're ready. And now here's the thing. Can I This is the thing. If a man is, has now made a public vow to love you no matter what, to be with you, to live as Christ in the church. With all his worldly goods he has endowed. Yes, he has given you everything. And his name. let me just tell you something. And he's promised to never look at another woman again. And the the thing that you got to see here is is that you signed on the dotted line there. (laughs) Like, like that moment is that moment where he earned your trust. Like, he earned that. And then, and I'm saying, I this is again we have to get out into the qualification cupboard if there is if there is some major thing in your life that is like a traumatic past or an incident or something where you genuinely need a different kind of approach to this he should know about that before and and it should be something that has been work discussed talk about it with the pastor it should be well established that this is what we're getting into marital counseling go but if you have the intention to to be a godly wife, one of the things you will not do is say never mind on your wedding night. <laughs> but you thought you were getting something tonight. Never mind. What? Why don't you love me? You're not being kind. I mean, it's horrible. It's the it's worst not thing. All right, guys. I can think of nothing meaner to do to a man no. who has who is actually making a tremendous commitment for this sexual relationship to yeah. be like. Count me out. <laughs> like, let's just all take a little oh. moment of pause and say, no, and do also, not do that thing. Just don't be a stinker for the rest of your marriage either. This isn't just advice for that once. Don't be a don't stinker. Don't be a big turd. Like, Not ready for the airwaves with that one. Sorry. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> we started this with Simone and Sart and Helga and Olga and Bart. Whoever they were. Wanda. <laughs> and then we're finishing strong with telling you not to be turds. Oh, this one well, what can I say? What can also. I, what can I say when we oh. forget to podcast? We podcast too much the next time. <laughs> but, but my point was a serious oh, one, golly. which is that there should be like one of the things oh. that God gave your husband when He gave him you. <laughs> Becca's not gonna be able to get a grip. <laughs> We're gonna have to put like an alert in the summary. If you have children in the car, you might want to hold off till later due to Rachel's... I actually think if you have children in the car, it's not going to be the use of the word turd that took us out of the running. I was going to say, like, just stop with Simone. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Parental disclaimer. Just terrible. Don't hang on while your children are on board. Well, my point is just that God gave, should, well... The way you should want it to be is that when God gave your husband you as his wife, that he gave your husband a great grace, that he gave him a gift that is better than your husband ever would have expected. Not an endless scavenger hunt to get on your good side. Oh my word. Like, like that is a really <laughs> sad thing. You know, like to think like, well, I'll just give him the cold shoulder until he tries hard enough to find out what I am mad yeah. about. No, and then it's... when he says what's wrong, I'll say, if you don't know what's wrong, then <laughs> I don't think you're a very Christian husband. You know, like don't do that kind of thing. Oh my word! And you're going to start complaining of emotional abuse in a minute. Yes, and just, just just deal with it. That you are that in many ways. You know the whole thing, like in many ways that you are a simple creature comfort. For your husband. And that should be something that you think is glorious and good and right. And and God's gift to you also. Give yourself. Give yourself. Don't don't sit there trying to eke yourself out in dribs and drabs. Just 
give yourself. You know? Right? Like, just be... Uh, and, and one of the things that I think is wise... This is why, apparently, we're not... I'm not invited to wedding showers really give advice. Because <laughs> <laughs> you'll say, don't I'm be a be like, all right, everybody! <laughs> no. But, the, but one of the things that I think is important <laughs> in this whole discussion is that there are simple things. Like, there are a lot of rules that our parents have always taught in marriage. Things like... Um, like not to be you know not to have people over when you're out of fellowship with each other and yeah. not to talk about your big problems after 10 p.m. when no one has an eyeball on it anymore <laughs> <laughs> you know when that's it's a not runaway train. that's not the time to reflect on what a bad mom you are and how no. bad your marriage is and how bad it's all going like no. wait until the morning for that one and and things real simple counsel like ways to stay out of trouble yeah and one of the things that i would add to that just for the wife is to not be a woman who who is hard to get and who is like is willing to say no or don't touch me or I'm too tired or back off. No, and I've had like and who are you anyways? Don't make excuses and that does not mean don't be honest. No. That does not mean don't say like I'm tired or what. It doesn't mean that. It means don't be in the command position wrapping someone's knuckles with a ruler. Mm-mm. Give be, yourself be, be a wife. Give freely. Be a wife. Like, the wife is a different category than the person you're trying to woo. It's can the I, person who got wooed. Can I start again <laughs> with another Lewis quote? Hmm. Which is... It's like maybe a record for Excellent. Us. Especially because we spake one in unison. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but it's so profound. And it is to desire the desiring of her own beauty is the vanity of Lilith. To desire the enjoying of her own beauty is the obedience of Eve. Mm -hmm. And it is such a small difference and it makes all the difference in the world. Do you want to, do you want your beauty to be desired or do you want it to be enjoyed? Yeah. And that is like, it's a world of difference. It's the difference between you want your husband to enjoy you or you want the men on the street to pull over to whistle at you. Yeah. But this is, it's the difference between marriage and porn. It's It's like a big difference. It's a world of difference, but it's it's also but if like, you desire the kind of beauty that will be enjoyed by the man who gave his life to you, then you're going to have to go ahead and, and be available. <laughs> let's, just, let's just say it. That's how it is. That's just, that's just the also, word. Also, I speak you the word. When, and I have to say... When I, women are going around giving terrible advice like <gasps> that... I'm just going to say, there's a Bible verse about it, guys. There's a Bible verse. Well, and there's another thing that you got to say. If if the Bible... Well, what Bible verse are you going to say? Do not refrain yeah, no, don't from refrain. one another. It doesn't even matter if you're nervous. Right and it then. says, but unless like mutual agreement, it doesn't say don't refrain unless the wife has decided to get bossy yeah. lately. I thought you were going to say, you know, that the husband is commanded to to let his wife's breast satisfy him. Like, who are you to stand in the way of him being obedient to the word? (laughs) No, I just meant like... No, but that's a thing. If he's commanded being a godly husband is to enjoy your body, Mm -hmm. then who are you to be like, back off from being a godly husband? No, but also you're not allowed to make him back off. There's a whole thing about that. No, it's not your... I can't remember the reference right now. It's in the New Testament. It's in there. It's in in the New Testament, guys. And the other thing... You can't get off of it by saying it's the Old Covenant. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I think that this is all so countercultural. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah, the world believes that sex is all about just what you feel like when you feel like that's yeah. it. Yeah, you know, like there's nothing ba- binds it other than your own yeah. emotions. There's no there's structure. No, there's no rules here. There's no, no boundaries. And we there's see no that time when, that you ought not to do that. When you go for the world of no boundaries, you're back to the sewer rats. Yeah. But when you go for the the marriage covenant and the marriage vows, you should just go ahead and be all in. Like, you should. Just go ahead and be like, this is what I'm here. And it may this turn out to be surprising when... <laughs> You start doing what God said, that things start Check looking it up. up. There's a little more romance in my life. <laughs> There's more romance. Oh, turns out my husband really appreciates an available wife. <laughs> life is good. Your, your husband might be like, what on earth happened? Like, how yeah. did things get so much better? But this uh-huh. is, and this is something I'd like to say. If, for some possibility, you've been convicted by what we were just talking about. 
Just saying. Maybe someone out there was a little bit. If so, I highly, highly recommend jumping off the high dive on this and yes. out and out yourself. Tell your husband you were convicted. Tell him this is what you're thinking about. Tell him this is going to... Like, go ahead and acknowledge you weren't doing it right. Because the, I, the desire to keep it a secret so that nothing changes in the power balance will probably be high. You know, like the desire sure. to not say... I was convicted of this that I need to be more available. But I was going to actually say something that might be, it sounds actually like almost the opposite, but I think we're just talking about two different aspects of it. I was going to say, don't, don't begin this with a big questionnaire of, do you think that I'm not, do you think I'm not available enough? Because what's he going to say? Like, am I not sexy to you (laughs) when I'm frigid? But the thing is, is like, if you start it with a big questionnaire, especially if things haven't been good, nothing like putting him on the hot plate. That he will not feel ministered to by you no. issuing him a fill-in-the-blank test about your, you know, no. how you've been. Do just you think that I have a duty to want to have sex with you when I don't want to? <laughs> but I was gonna say, just try obeying yeah. without without. Making I meant, it into a I legal said, event. Yeah, no, totally. When I said out yourself, as I mean that sometimes when you're convicted of something, there's that temptation to sweep the conviction right out under the rug world yeah. where no one will know it ever happened. But I was just going to be more yeah, like, no. just, just try obeying. Just try obeying and being more fun and then see how that yeah. works out for you. And this is a good time to mention that you know how everyone's wrong about the Puritans. The Puritans are the ones that are much maligned in history as yep. being uptight and no fun and yep. definitely not not at all supportive of sex. I mean, right. like, when you say puritanical, everyone knows what you mean, mm-hmm. and it's not that. Mm-hmm. But in Puritan wedding vows, the wife used to vow to be bonny and buxom in bed. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Like, straight up in church, saying, I hereby... <laughs> Commit myself to being bonnie and buxom in bed. <laughs> and I just Woo. have to say, just imagine the scandal today. And it's those those Puritans. Those Puritans, those Puritans are way too racy with their wedding vows. I forgot. So, so I'm just saying, mm-hmm. just keep it in mind that you're in good company with those Puritans. Yeah, and, yeah. and we have to wrap it up with a tip now, which <laughs> <laughs> I think we've really covered the waterfront of tips. Specifically, you know, I, don't be a turd. Say, <laughs> you know that big, ugly, like, um, <laughs> Bloomsday t-shirt that you were going to wear to bed tonight? Don't. <laughs> could be safe at such a time as this so we hope Actually, that next week we'll do one the we're kids gonna could just listen name to. this one pg-13 <laughs> yeah uh, i guess we will have fun guys talk to you next time bye bye, bye.